0: G'day, welcome to Partakers. This is a series of studies called Luke Looks Back, based in the Gospel of Luke, and is presented to us by Roger Kirby. Over to you, Roger. This is study four, starting in Luke chapter 3, verse 19, and going through to chapter 4, verse 13. It's the preparation of the Messiah, his baptism and temptation. Luke continues his account of the preparation of Jesus for his ministry with first his baptism and then his temptation. We read verses 19 to 23 of Luke chapter 3.
1: But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrach because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all, he locked John up in prison. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about thirty years old when he began his ministry.
0: Luke rather oddly records the imprisonment of John before the baptism of Jesus by John. He does this because only Jesus is really important in the rest of the story. Matthew tells us why Jesus was baptised when he says, it is proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness, or, as another translation puts it, for now this is as it should be, because we must do all that God wants us to do. Luke, however, is only concerned with what happened when Jesus was baptised. The first question then, which major Christian teachings are important in what happened? Why is it important for us to hear about these before we hear about Jesus starting his ministry? And I pause. It's a hard question. The threefold but one God is represented at the baptism in the Messiah, the Dove, and the Voice. The essential unity of God the Father and God the Son in all that Jesus did on earth is emphasised. The Voice shows that God is interested in and prepared to speak to human beings. He is not a far off and remote God we cannot talk to and expect love from, as well as worship to. That God is a God of relationships, is taught in the statements that God loved Jesus and was well pleased. If we are in Jesus, we too are loved, and with us God can be well pleased. In all that happened, the uniqueness of Jesus is emphasised. No one else has ever been treated like this before or since. He was much more than a prophet. He was the only Son of God. The next 15 verses give a list of the forefathers of Jesus. They would make a rather difficult reading to listen to, so we will leave these verses out. Genealogies like this were important in those days to show who someone was. Why this one is considerably different from the one that Matthew gives is not clear. Probably Luke is most interested in the fact that Jesus was a descendant of David, of Jacob, of Abraham, of Adam, and then finally, in a strange sort of way, of God. This is the story of the temptations of Jesus. The main purpose of this story, about the three temptations, is to teach us things about Jesus. Here are the first 13 verses of Luke chapter 4.
1: Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during these days... And at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple, If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, I will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all these tempting, he left him until an opportune time.
0: The temptations make clear the nature of Jesus' work as the Son of God. That is what the devil calls him twice in the story. It was an ancient title given to the kings of Judah. So this means Jesus was being hailed as a king. People listening would have understood that this meant he was the Messiah they were expecting, a sort of Crown Prince of God the King Question 2 I will read a series of texts from the Old Testament with short pauses in between for you to stop the machine For each of them decide what sort of Messiah will the people have been expecting from this text How do the temptations show that what they were getting was very different Was this text fulfilled in Jesus in those days Or is it still to be fulfilled? The first text comes from Genesis chapter 49 verse 10. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Next, from Numbers chapter 24 verses 17 to 19. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the sons of Sheth. Edom will be conquered. Seir, his enemy, will be conquered. But Israel will grow strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. 1 Samuel chapter 21 verse 11 gives an example of how a Davidic king was supposed to be. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Psalm 2 verses 6-9 to nine. Verses 1-4 to 4 and 12-14. to 14. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. Or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Ephraim's jealousy will vanish. And Judah's enemies will be destroyed. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, nor Judah hostile towards Ephraim. They will swoop down on the slopes of Philistia to the west. Together they will plunder the people to the east. They will subdue Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites will be subject to them. From Daniel chapter 7, three different verses. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10 Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will proclaim peace to the nations. The answer to that question, or questions, is that they were thinking of a Messiah who would lead them in war, to be victors over all their national enemies. At the end of that process, he would be ruler of all the world or at least all their immediate world. There are hints of something better when Isaiah talks about the Spirit who will rest on him and the suggestions that he will rule with righteousness, an attitude badly lacking in those days and in the same nations these days. Only in the last quotation from the prophecy of Zechariah do we get a suggestion of humility and peacefulness. And the second question. Share something of how your own understanding of Jesus has changed during your Christian life as you have learned more about him. Those answers are your answers. Sharing thoughts like these will help the members of your group understand each other better we continue to think about the temptations of Jesus. They're very like some of the great events of Israel's history. I will read three accounts from the book of Exodus of what happened to the people of Israel for this next question. The question, number three, is this. For each one, identify the ways in which one of the temptations was most like it. Also, what was the fundamental difference between Israel's experience and that of Jesus? First, Exodus 16, verses 2-4. to In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted but you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And a pause for you to think about that quotation. Then in Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 to 7, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, travelling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarrelled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because Israelites quarrelled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And again a pause. Exodus chapter 32, verses 1-4 to 4. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered round Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And again a pause. The first temptation of Jesus reminds us of what happened when the people of Israel became hungry, short-tempered, and wanted to go back to Egypt. His second temptation is about idolatry, as is the third of the passages from Exodus. His third temptation was about testing, as was the second episode from Exodus. The temptations demonstrate the antagonism of Satan to the kingdom of God. In some churches, Satan is never mentioned. Some talk too much about him, blaming him for everything that goes wrong, even when it is a very human fault. Question four, then. How would you rate your emphasis on Satan? Too much, too little, or just right? How does it compare with the emphasis in Luke's story? The temptations emphasise that Jesus' ministry is the fulfilment of Scripture. They do this by the repetition by Jesus of It is written and it says. This emphasis is particularly important in the end of Luke's Gospel where we read in his chapter 24 And beginning with Moses and all the prophets he explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning himself. And he also says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Question 5. What do you find the hardest part of reading and learning from scripture? What tips can you give the other people in your group to ease the problem? The temptations show Jesus' followers a way to resist temptations. The basic ideas behind the three temptations are 1. Using your faith for personal gain 2. Using it to make yourself look good before other people and 3. Putting God to the test in practical ways. Question 6 then. Look at each temptation and decide whether those are the right descriptions of them. If not, what is? I will repeat the key statements. Personal gain, looking good, and putting God to the test. In what ways, often trying to hide their real motives, do people sometimes try to put God to the test? Which of these temptations do you experience most? And question 7. It says the devil left Jesus until an opportune time. When or under what circumstance does he get a good opportunity to go after us? What can we do to discourage him? And the answer to that last question, I think, is when we are tired, hungry, irritable, sexually excited, and so on. From any practical, simple ways, we can organize our days to avoid these comparatively ordinary and trivial things, which can, however, lead us far from the way of the Lord. Things like get enough sleep, eat regularly, and so on. And so we come to the end of this particular study. Thanks Roger. This series is on every Sunday, but as usual on Partakers, .partakers
1: www.partakers.co.uk, there is something new available every day to inspire your Christian life.